Don't worry, everybody. The new episode is coming right up. But first, I want to remind you there are three quick ways that you can support the Fat Guy Forum and help the show keep going. First, make sure that you have rated and reviewed the show on whatever pod service you're using, whether that is Apple, Spotify, or whatever it is. Make sure you're doing that. Two, you can join the Patreon for a few dollars a month. You get access to the after show. You help keep things going because this show does have costs. And you're able to be a part of the Fat Guy Forum community that I would love to see grow, get your input on what you want to see going on with the show, and more. And the third and final way, if you can't join the Patreon, but you're buying products for yourself that I'm an affiliate for, like Redmond Real Salt and Kettle and Fire Bone Broth, there are links and codes in the show notes where you will save money when you use them, and I get a little bit to help things going here. So, please... Pick at least one of those ways to support the show if you enjoy listening to it on a regular basis. And know that I appreciate whatever you choose to do. And now let's get on with the episode. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fat Guy Forum. It's Gourmet here with you, obviously. Excited to bring you the story of yet another awesome dude. It is someone who I've been peripherally connected to on Facebook for a while, uh, but... We've never really had this conversation, so I'm excited to dive into it with him. His name is Larry Owen. Larry, how are you doing today? I'm pretty all right. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I'm glad we're getting to talk. I'm excited to get into it, so let's get right to it, man. Tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Um, well, it's pretty simple. I spent probably most of my adult life, well, yeah, most of my adult life as a fat guy, um, and even pre-adult, you know, as a, as a young man, it's a fat guy, so... Um, that's, yeah, I would say that's what qualifies me to be on there. I even consider myself a little doughy these days just because I got that skinny fat thing going on, still working it through my health journey. Understood. Understood. So, so let's get into it. Tell us, take us back to where, when did weight start to become, you know, a, a part of your life? When did that start to happen? Yeah, I, I really don't remember. I mean, I could always say like I was probably always on the bigger side. Um, but I probably around eight years old is when it like was like noticeable. That's where I went from like being like an, just an average kid to like, I was the fat kid in class. You know what I mean? And it just kind of just went on. Like my dad's a big guy, like half my family, it literally is half. Like there's, there's two kids, uh, two, two, not two kids, four kids, but two boys, two girls. One of the girls is heavy. One was thin. One of the boys was heavy. One was thin. I was the, the heavy boy. You know, my mom was thin, my dad was heavy. It was just kind of like 50-50 split all across the board. So it was like, not to say genetics, because that's not the only part of it, but it's a small part of it. So just like right around eight, whatever that, that trigger was for like what kept, we're all eating the same thing, but two of us are putting weight on, two of us aren't. That's kind of when that started. Um, and I just always struggled with it. Um, and there's all the things that come along with being the, the token fat guy in your group of like your friends or your, your class or whatever, you know, there's that thing. I wasn't, uh, I, I was also lucky though, cause I've been tall my whole life. And so I, I guess it's a, it's a kind of a catch 22. Like you're lucky cause you can hold the weight a little easier. Like if you're standing up and stuff. You just look like a large person, necessarily a fat person. But the downside to that is then you get used to being able to kind of get away with it for a bit, you know? And so then you, you develop probably some bad habits along the way as well. No, so, yeah, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I say, like, yeah, so you kind of like, I got through, you know, I had those, there's those rough years I think everybody has, like middle school age, right? Where like maybe 
maybe the height isn't catching up yet and the weight's getting you're building you're putting more and more weight on um and then in high school you know i was somewhat active and again i probably really shot up in height like i'm six foot five so i you know by the time i get towards the end of high school i'm six foot three getting starting to push up over that and i was active enough to just offset it just enough where i was just like a heavy guy but not necessarily like fat fat but then you get out of school and then you're you're in charge of your own diet. So you're eating kind of what you want, not to say what you need or should. You're not maybe as active as you used to be. You maybe you have an active job, but then as soon as you're done, you're just not moving because you're tired. Or your job's not active and you just start slowly getting bigger and bigger. And then like that younger metabolism you used to have starts to go away. And you start getting, you know, larger. And then there's all the stuff that goes along with that. So depression and and uh, uh, just the bad eating habits that you've developed, and then you turn to food because of it, that whole vicious cycle that everyone kind of talks about that is very much real. You know, so then I got to a point when I was about 30 where I was pushing 500 pounds. Mm. And now at that point, had you tried, like, was dieting a part of your, your, your life before? Like, was it, or was it just you accepted or... Not, maybe not even fully accepted, but just kind of tolerated this was what your life was. Definitely died in the past, for sure. You know, there were times where, uh, you know, I, I remember doing Slim Fast when I was like <laughs> like 10 or 11, you know, like, you know, because I, I, I definitely had spurts of where the weight was more noticeable than other times, you know, like right before growth spurt, I'm like, you know, I just you're a little kid and you just hate the way you look, you know? And so you try to figure out what you're going to do. And maybe my mom or, you know, or my sister or somebody's like, you know, they're doing that. I was like, Oh, I'll try that. And I'm sure it works for some people. A sensible shake for breakfast, a, a sensible, you know, shake, a sensible for shake for lunch, and then a sensible dinner. Like what, what could go wrong? What could go wrong with eating a chocolate shake for, for half your meals? Um, and, uh, you know, and I tried, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I tried even just eating clean or, or quick, I don't know what that means, but eating healthy, more, uh, a more balanced diet, uh, you know, and then falling into all those same, those same traps we all did for years of like, you look at the food pyramid and you go, okay, okay, I'm going to cut out meat and I'm going to cut out this or much less of those things. I'm going to start eating just like healthy grains and stuff like that. And then you're just... I, for some people, maybe that works, but it didn't for me. <laughs> and so, are you? Are you of the generation where the snack wells became a thing at some point? Snack wells? No, I don't. Not, not, those were the diet probably. cookies that everyone thought were they were oh, in the, a green yeah. box, and everyone thought they were going to be magical diet cookies for everyone. Like they're less. Well, it was less. They were lower fat, so they pumped up the sugar, and no one paid sugar, attention. To yeah. Them. And so they yeah. were still eating these cookies that had the same number of calories as an Oreo. But they had less fat, so they must be healthy. They must be healthy, yeah. Right. I, I'm. We did. Uh, we did margarine in my house for a mm. long time. You know, like, oh, it's not butter, so it must be healthy. You know, and <laughs> it just turns into like a liquidy, watery thing when the house gets a little warm in the summer. And we did. Uh, yeah, we fell into that low fat kind of fad thing where, you know, oh, this is a low fat dressing for your salad, except it's got twice or three times as much sugar to make it taste good. And it's got a bunch of starch in it to make it thick, like a hat, like as if it had oil in it, or something. So yeah, I totally did those things. Um, 
And then the other side of that too, I think is a lot of that failing fast mentality of like, I've, I'm trying to do this diet thing and it's not sustainable and it's really hard. I can't do it. So I failed at some point. And so I failed. So why does it even matter? I might as well have what I want to have. You know, that thing I think, the thing, the thing I think I need, you know, when you're in that mindset. And so you, it, what you do is you lose five if you put 10 on kind of idea, you know, no, completely understand that. And so I, I know I definitely reached a point probably in my mid twenties, I would say for sure, where it was kind of like, I, this is a horrible mindset, but I'm like, well, I might die young, but I'll die happy. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I don't oh, yeah, know where no. that comes from, but <laughs> I, I went through the same thing, man. I completely understand. It's a horrible mindset to have because you're literally killing yourself and you're not happy. You just say you are. So yeah, I totally went through that phase for, I mean, that's probably when I really started getting heavier because I just didn't care anymore or pretended like I didn't care. And I had a couple of good, decent runs in there where I maybe lost a few pounds and Mostly it's like, you know, you got a new job or you just something changed in the summer. Was that me? I think I pinged something. Anyways, um, you, 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 yeah, you're a little more active. You're starting to eat a little better. You start doing a little better. But then if you're not actually actively tracking things and trying to change your mindset, you just fall back into the old habits anyway. Um, so, but it got really bad. I think between about 28 and... 32 that's when i reached my heaviest but like right around 30s when i was flirting with 500 I, I know i went over 500 at some point i just just know because like when i finally weighed myself before I, the highest weight i know i was at i was already losing weight right and, and that's that, like 480 and i hear that on the show a lot you know guys are like i i don't have an accurate number for where i was at my heaviest but i was there was no way i was getting on a scale at that point it wasn't oh a yeah bit, a yeah bit into the journey I hated going to the doctor because they're going to make you stand on a scale. And sometimes the doctor didn't have a scale that could weigh you, you know? So it's like, they're just like, okay, we're just going to put 480 down because maybe that's where their scale ended or wherever their scale ended at. And you just, oh, you, I hated going to the doctor. No, understood. And, and my joke was, uh, sorry, my joke oh, at the time was like, I could go in because I, you know, I, I broke up my thumb and he'll tell me, well, you wouldn't have broke your thumb if you lost a few pounds. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're just trying to help. That's a, it's like, that's a very did. real thing that people would, you know, still so right now hear from doctors, you know, going in with, you know, I, I got bitten by a spider and I have an infection from it. It's like, well, have you thought about losing weight? And it's like, yes, but... I have an active infection coursing through my blood right now that I would just love something to treat. You know, can we, can we talk about the diet after, um, you know, I went into the hospital for uh, pneumonia already down like 150 pounds, if not more than that, and almost died, dealt with all that. And as, as they finally get me stabilized weeks later, they started with the, have you considered weight loss surgery discussions? And I'm like, (laughs) you, you know, that I was over 500 pounds and that I'm now just over 300. Can we just focus on what we're dealing with right now? Like let's, let's, do we have to, do we have to talk about that all the time? And then we can talk about the other thing afterwards. Yeah, for sure. So getting close to 500 pounds is, is not necessarily something that every person does when they're on their own and can pick their own food, even if they put on weight. Like when you look at what contributed to getting you there, was it a combination of habit and like you talked about, you know, using food as a coping mechanism? Like what, what do you define as kind of like what brought you to that point? 
Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I could really get into it. Uh, the, the, the basis, well, basic level of it is, uh, you know, you start from your like formative years. So you've got, there's that just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put on genetics, but there's a little bit of that, right? There's some of us who eat to survive and some of us who just survive so we can eat more. <laughs> and, you know, I've got like a brother, like uh, we, you, you look at it, you can tell, oh yeah, they're brothers. But then when it comes to our eating habits, like when we were in uh, like middle school, high school age, he would come home from school and just pound down two quarter pound hot dogs and then a whole plate of chips. And then he would have whatever all day eat. And he just wouldn't put a pound on. And I used to joke that I could smell him cooking and I was putting weight on him, you know, and that's not all of it, but there's just that, there's that thing. Some of us just, it's easier for us to stack weight on. I don't know what there's probably is some evolutionary benefit to that. You know, when food is scarce, but when food isn't scarce and there's abundance of it, I'm not saying we were actually kind of poor. So there's that food insecurities as part of it too, I'll say. Um, growing up, we weren't, my parents weren't wealthy. You know, we weren't really stable till I got to about high school, which probably what made it worse in a way because now there was food readily available at all times. Um, but I'll say, yeah, so there's like that food insecurities, right? When there's food on the plate, you got to clear your plate. And when there is something special or something you really like, you better get it because if you don't get it, it's going to be gone. You're not going to have another chance. Um, so there's a little bit of that. Um, I also grew up in a culture that was built around food and I learned some of those bad habits that, you know, like maybe my dad had, that's why he was always heavy. Um, his mom was always heavy. You know, there was like, and the, the sibling I was closer to was also the sibling who was heavy. So there's that kind of side of things of like, it, it kind of feeds on itself. You learn bad habits until you, you, uh, you're kind of codependent on each other with people like that. And, and I joke now when I talk to people about weight loss is sometimes the person who's going to sabotage you is the person who loves you the most because they just want you to be happy. And they're like, they're so proud of what you've done. And they're like, Hey, do you want to, you know, you should, you, you could have this. You've been so good. Just treat yourself this one time. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's because they, they do it out of love. I don't know if it's a hundred percent that maybe it's the way of them coping with their own eating habits or what, but, and so when you're both doing that to each other, neither you're going to lose weight. It's like two drug addicts hanging out together. So there's a little bit of that. I also grew up in a religion. I won't get too much into it, but high control. And so maybe the diet is one way I have control. So one thing I can do, there's these, there's these, there's these loopholes in the system. And these are the ones I can, I have control over. So a little bit of that. Um, and then again, yeah, there's like, it's coping, right? Once you're, when you're heavy, the one thing that doesn't reject you or make you feel bad is the food itself. You might feel bad afterwards when, when the dopamine rush is gone, but in the moment it feels great. So, you know, there's a lot of little stuff. I think they all kind of compound and add to each other. If it was just one thing, I think it'd be easier to go and just fix that one thing. Right. Which makes, makes complete sense. And I think is an experience, you know, that most people that struggle with weight issues and struggle with, you know, severe weight issues realize that it's not as simple as there's one thing I was doing wrong. Like even when you find a way of eating that works for you, it's not just, <coughs> excuse me, remove that one food and everything else clears up. This you know, one trick that can that help all dietitians angry. Right. It, I figured it out. No, yeah. Yeah. And that's what we want. You know, that as human beings, we want that one answer. That's why it's so attractive when you hear someone on social media saying, I, you know, I have the one thing that's going to help you lose weight. You're not going to have to change anything that you're doing right now. You know, yeah. you're going to do this one thing and it's going to change everything for you. You Here's know, and that's magic pill. Right. And that's what we desperately want. But the reality is it's much more complicated. And, you know, 
that idea, like, I think that idea of control that you, that you were talking about, like, plays over into so many people's stories, you know, and it's not always necessarily relate, you know, related to the same issues, you know, it can be because of a family issue or, you know, dealing with personal issues or just how their relationship developed and, you know, getting into the codependency side of things like uh, in our, in our cultures, you know, in general, we express emotion through food, you know, we show love through food, you know, it's, I think that's one of the hardest things sometimes for when people, you know, especially when you have, you know, older people in your family where like they came from that place of, you know, I know my grandparents, you know, came through the depression and, you know, they then when they could provide, that's why there was dessert at every meal at their house, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there was always pastry. There was always something going on and it was always here, have a pastry. And then do you really think you should be eating so much? And it's like, yeah, yeah, you, know, double... you just, you just gave me the piece of cake with breakfast, but now you want to talk about me eating. Okay. You know, there, that can, you just, yeah, you just sparked confusion. a memory for me. Mm. <laughs> I was in, I was on a family trip and we were in Montana of all places and staying at this kind of cool place. And I was like 18 maybe. And we, they had like the, like the breakfast that comes with the, the place we were staying at, like a continental breakfast or whatever it is. But it was like a, like a really fancy kind of, uh, Oh, what do you call those? Like a lodge, you know? Um, like this was like too much for me. I was like, I shouldn't be in a place like this. They're going to find out I'm here and kick me out. But, um, and so like they had like a, a list of things you could get for your free breakfast or that you could order things. And I just took whatever my free breakfast was. And my grandfather had ordered like biscuits and gravy and some bunch of other stuff. And for whatever reason, he couldn't eat it. I don't know why he just, he ordered it and he decided he didn't want it. And then my grandmother just pressured me and pressured me, pressured me to eat the food because she didn't want it to go to waste. And I guess it was just like, oh, you're young and you're big. You will eat it. I know you can eat it. So she's, and then when I did eat it, you know, after like, she literally like, I mean, it was like almost like an argument at the table between me and my uncles and my aunts and her to like, till I just finally ate the food. And then it was like, you know, Larry, you shouldn't eat so much after. I was like, why are you kidding me? <laughs> right. You just like almost forced me to eat this food because she just has that mentality. We can't let it go to waste. And yeah, so it's so hard. And I think that's a lot of things. A lot of people have a hard time is like being able to walk away from a plate of food. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, there's the, the Noom app. Yeah. Like yeah. I've heard of it. And you've, there's, there's one of the commercials is this person having the realization like, I, I, I'm a member of the clean plate club. Like, and it's all these vignettes of like them having to finish their plate and other people's plates. And as a, you know, a flashback to childhood, but it becomes ingrained in you, especially, you know, like we talk about the interconnected web of all this, like when there has been a history of food insecurity, that comes into play as well. Like, it's yes, almost exactly. like whether generational it, trauma. Yeah. And it's not even conscious anymore. It's just mm -hmm. this idea that you got to finish it. You know, you put it on your plate, you got to finish it. And then it's like, well, yeah, are you putting enough on your plate? Like, there's just so many factors that come into play. And then what are you putting on your plate? It's the next part of that. Like, what is it that you're actually loading up? Does it have the, the nutrients that it needs? Is it just calorie dense? Oh, I mean, I, I look at, at my child, again, at my grandparents' house, the closest thing to a green vegetable we ever saw was my grandfather had to have a can of peas with his dinner every night. And it was a canned um, piece, yeah. too. Oh, canned can, can peas, yeah. boiled. Even because on, on Friday nights, we would get pizza and fish and chips. Because, you know, as, as good practicing Catholics, they had to have fish on Fridays. Yeah. So we would get <laughs> cheese pizza. And my grandfather, every time there was fish and chips, like, he would be coming in and out of the kitchen, like, 
are the peas ready? Are the peas ready to go? Because when the fish and chips get here, I got to have my peas. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he was honestly, he, and he, the funny thing is like at this point, he's probably the age I am right now, at, you know, back then worrying about a can of peas when I was a little kid, but which is hilarious to me to think about, but it's just, you know, it all becomes so ingrained. The habits become so ingrained, the culture of the family, like, and there's an impact. And like you said, the interesting thing is that it doesn't impact everyone the same way. You know, you look at, you know, you have a brother who's scarfing down food, not having the same impact. And then there's you. Yeah. So and it's yeah, and I'll even say on top of that, right. There's also that point, And I've seen it with other people and with my brother and stuff where the age finally catches up to him, you know? So like all of a sudden he's like, man, I'm struggling. I'm like, when well, you eat like you're six, you know, <laughs> you eating like, uh, I mean, I joke about my mom with the same thing. Like she was, she was always the thin one too, but like, you know, um, even now it's like, mom, you eat like a, like an eight year old, you eat like, like exactly like fish sticks, you eat fish sticks and mac and cheese. And like, you, and I know it's sometimes it's just like, yeah, cause it's easy to come home and just cook that thing or microwave it or whatever. But I mean, when, if you saw the things that she eats, it's just like, it's like feeding a little kid. You know, but it's just, but now the portions are bigger and bigger and bigger because you're an adult and you can't just eat that stuff and stay at the same portion a kid would eat. And I don't even know why we feed kids that stuff half the time. Oh. Other than it's easy and they'll eat it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, palatabil- palatability, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, when a kid is, you know, a kid is going to be naturally fussy as they develop their taste for foods. And if you give them something hyper palatable, it ends the argument. Yeah. But I, um, I could... I, I get it. My my I live with my sister here in California. Our mother lives in Florida. She does not drink water ever, and it's like our constant. Every time we have a conversation with her, it's like, "Have you drank any water? Like, when's the last time you had actual just water? Like, could you have something you know that's not coffee and is not juice? Like, just try some water once, see what happens." But you know, it's it's interesting to especially when you start to change your perspective on things and you start to notice all the things that other people do, but that's a, that's a whole nother line of discussion. Oh yeah, sure. it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, well, and even like you're saying there, like juice, right. I remember that was one that I got trapped in as a kid too. Right. Cause you think like, Oh, orange juice, glass of orange juice for breakfast, you know? Oh, apple juice in the afternoon, you know? Oh, I'll have this juice with my dinner. Cause it's healthy instead of having Kool-Aid. Cause that's just sugar. And then when you get older and you learn the truth, you're like, no, that's just sugar. It's just a different form of the same thing, but I thought I was being healthy. Oh, because I, the TV told me so, or something. Well, I mean, you still you still see it now. You know, that that sugar comes from that sugar was squeezed out of an orange, so it's not as bad for you as as the white sugar that you would yeah. you know, spoon into a coffee. Or, I mean, I see. You know, we're we're we haven't even gotten there yet, but we're both in a similar nutritional space, and the number of people that'll say to me like, Oh, you know, I, I made some healthy changes this week. I'm not using white, sh- you know, I'm not putting sh- regular sugar in my coffee anymore. I bought, um, I've, raw got, sugar. I've, I've got raw, sh- I've got honey, I've got coconut sugar. I've got, and it's like, yeah. oh, okay, there's, you know, yes, with coconut sugar, there's like a minutia little bit of a difference, but if you're still scooping three tablespoons of it into your cup of coffee, you're still just putting straight sugar into your yeah, body. Your, like, your liver can't tell the difference of where the sugar came right. from. You know, like sugar. that, that's a whole, you know, that's, that's that whole discussion on like when, you know, when people, when f- ingredients are outside of the body, we place value on them. And when they hit the acid in our stomach, sugar is sugar. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, so <laughs> no, base is form. <laughs> it's getting broken down. It's all getting broken down into glucose molecules in the end in there. But you know, anyway, yeah, your blood sugar is spiking. Mm-hmm. So let's let let's get back to your story. You know, we, which we've been talking about, but you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the timeline of it. So you said you know, like thirty thirty two. You're hitting your your heaviest weight near five hundred. What was going on for you then? Oh, I mean, I was I I so. I'd gone to college a little on the later side because I'll say that the religion I was part of has something to do with that a little bit. Um, and uh, and I, honestly, the big thing for me is I didn't really have a 20s. I, I tell people that all the time. I'm 37 now. Oh, gosh, I'm 37. Um, I'm 37 now. And like I in, in my mind, I'm 27 because I just didn't have a 20s. It's kind of a blur of depression and no social life and uh in and out of jobs um and and part of it was because like delaying for a thing i ended up not doing anyway (laughs) and and just putting life off and i'm sure that definitely didn't help so i'm in this like hardcore funk i decided to go to school so that'll fix everything because i wanted to do this stuff so i i you know i take out a bazillion loans and um i go to a a for-profit school but i you know i i it wasn't horrible. There were a lot of things I enjoyed about it, but um, it got too expensive and I had to take a couple breaks because I didn't want to get more loans. And then I struggled in some of the classes right towards the end. I mean, I was really close to graduating and the school just shut down because, you know, they're part of the for-profit mill. So um, they ended up getting sued and half their schools in the country shut down. And um, it's not very hard to figure out what is an art school. So it won't be hard for people to figure out which one it was, but I don't want a bad name and bad mouth and too much because I, there were a lot of really good instructors that I had and really great people there and people who really worked hard and earned their degrees. And I didn't work as hard towards the end there. So I, I just kind of basically dropped out of a uh, non-prestigious school. So that doesn't help <laughs> uh, with your high, your self-worth. And so I'm at this kind of all time low and um, I mean, I was, I, 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 there's not a lot of pictures of me and there's reasons why, you know, you don't want people thinking, you don't want to go to the doctor cause you don't want to get weighed and be get given a lecture. You don't want to, uh, take a picture. You don't want a picture of you. Um, and then I just decided, you know what? There's people on YouTube. I can do this and I don't ever have to show my face. I'll just be one of those voices, you know? And so a uh, buddy and I decided we're going to start a YouTube channel together and like every other 20-something, at the t- it's probably like around 29, I just had to do it. Um, we'll just do a gaming channel because, you know, that's easy. It won't make it big. We'll be the next Game Grumps or whoever. And uh, so I, I started doing that and started going to YouTube meetups here in Vegas um, to try to just like, you know, learn the community and pick up tricks and tips from other people and started putting myself out there more and more. And I learned quickly that you kind of can't just hide. Um, and, uh, and then I saw a picture of myself, like someone, I was at a, a group thing and I was at a, a bar here in town. It's a really cool place called Millennium Fandom. It's all like geeky stuff. Cool. It's like, you know, play on Millennium Falcons, really cool. Um, so we're all taking pictures and stuff and then pictures of me started popping up on social media. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have a picture. I call my blueberry picture. And I'm wearing this blue striped shirt. I'm sitting down and it literally just looked like the girl from Willy Wonka. 
I'm just this giant blueberry sitting there. And I was just like, oh, and it was horrible. I was like literally kind of sitting inside of my fat, I guess is a, is a way of saying it. Like a, I've seen like a, like a large bird when they kind of like fluff up when they get rolled down low. It's what it looked like. And um, that's my picture. I'm pretty sure I was probably over five at the time. And, um, or at least at five. But, so I kind of started to like get more active and move around more at that moment. Um, cause I just like, but I, I didn't know what to do. I had done like Atkins in the past. I had done South beach. Um, and those were the ones I had had the most success with, but I didn't maintain it. I didn't stay with it. I mean, I, I tell people this now, I think almost every diet, like if you, as long as it's like at the end of the day, the calories in calories out is proper. I mean, you do it right. And you kind of track things. Every diet will work, but it's whether it's actually sustainable for you. Um, or not. And those at the way I was doing those, they weren't sustainable. And I don't think my mind was in the right place yet, but for whatever reason, everything just kind of lined up at this moment, about 32. Um, this is a, or well, 31, end of 31 or something like that. No, no, it's 32. Okay. It's been five years. So yeah, 32. Um, everything kind of started to line up and I went to another one of those YouTube meetups and there was a guy I knew there and uh, his name's Brendan. He's a pretty cool dude. Um, he's an Australian guy, and he was like Thunder Down Under, like in Vegas here. And he's been like a model and like uh, everything I was not. <laughs> and he was just raving about ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting. And he had, you know, worked out his whole life. And he's like, I've done, you know, he's like, I basically, and he wasn't like trying to sell anything. He was just, he was just doing it at the time. And he was like, how much better he felt. Um, and this is a guy who always looks good, you know what I mean? But he was just how he felt better and how he was like almost not, I won't say easier, but simpler to maintain. And so he was talking about, and there's another guy who was at this meeting who I had never met before. And his name is Dan. And, uh, Dan, I did a podcast with for a while. And, uh, Dan was, uh, was more like me. He'd been heavy his whole life and, uh, struggled mightily with it. And he was in his 40s, and he'd also done it. And if, if I had just met Dan that day, I would have thought, and not known about what he was talking, known what he told me later, I would have thought he was a guy who's, like, just a little bit on the heavy side, you know? Not knowing that, no, this is a guy who lost a, you know, I won't curse, but a whole <laughs> bunch of weight, <laughs> who had lost, you know, close to, you know, 300 pounds, and now it's mostly just loose skin hanging off of him. Um, I just wouldn't have known that. I would have just thought, oh, this is a guy who's in his 40s now. He's got a little bit around the middle. Um, <clears throat> and then learn later, no, it's the opposite of that. This is the guy who completely changed his life. So they're talking about how, just like how simple it is and how great they feel. And so I kind of interject because like, this is the thing I don't know if everyone does it, but I know a lot of people who are heavy to do this. Like we like to talk about what we're going to do. <laughs> like this Monday coming up at the end of this week, I'm going to just start this new diet. I'm going to turn things around, you know, whatever. And, and then we never do it or we push it to the next, next Monday. It'll be next weekend. I got a thing this, this Friday. There's a birthday party. There's always something, some reason why. So <clears throat> I kind of started talking about it. And then my, the, the, my, my now friend, Brendan, just says like, hey, if you have any questions or you need any help or you want any advice, I will give it to you. Just call me or message me. You know, I'm in the group and whatever. But if you're not going to do it, don't waste my time. And for whatever reason, that's what clicked in my brain. And I was like, I'll show him. <laughs> so I just went and did it. And I, ended up, I was going out of town. So I just did two straight weeks of keto. 
uh, and intermittent fasting. I even meal prepped and everything. I was like, I'm going to do this the right way. And I didn't necessarily calorie count as much as just, I was just worried about the carbs. And I went through all the things that anyone who's ever done keto goes through, like the keto fever and like uh, the, the stomach and, and intestinal problems you might have right away and all that stuff. I just did it on my own for the, the, the probably the first week of that stuff. And then like the next week after, then I started feeling great. And I could see it. No, maybe other people couldn't, but I could, I could see the difference when I looked in the mirror just from like those two weeks. And that's when I finally weighed myself and I was at 480 and I knew that I had to be close to five before that. And I was like, okay, this is where I'm at. So then I told them, hey, I've been doing it for two weeks and I feel a lot better. And they were like, cool, cool, keep it up. Don't, don't, don't quit. Don't just, don't pat yourself on the back yet. And I don't know what it was. I, I, part of it is I, I've said to people in the past that I think intermittent fasting kind of works with any diet as long as you can do it. It'll make anything better because just, you know, you just, you're, you're restricting your eating window. That's going to help because you can't snack and graze through the day. And those are usually the calories people aren't counting. So you're not getting those. And then the ketogenic diet for me was just, it just worked. I think it works for a lot of men better than women in general. I don't know why, but that's just what I, my experience from talking to people is. So as a guy doing the ketogenic diet, I'm just, I could just eat meat. Like I've always been that person. Like I could eat just the main course and not the side dishes and be okay. But I was, I had this idea of like, oh, the main course is the bad one. Just eat the sides. <laughs> I don't know why, but, and those don't ever, never satisfied me. So then I ended up eating more than I would if I just ate the main dish. So well, if I just eat the, the steak or the chicken or the pork or, you know, whatever the thing is, I could be pretty satisfied with that. And when you're as big as I was too, you know, you have to eat like 4,000 calories a day to maintain. So, you know, it's, you can eat that much steak, but that's hard to do, especially if you have a narrow window. So it just became like, it was almost easy. I, I don't like to say easy and maybe simple, but you know, like, cause there's definitely tough moments, but and there's, there's parts where you're going to want, you want to crack or you want to go off diet or you want to eat when you're not supposed to in your window. But it was just so simple for me when I was doing it that I didn't, I just, it just worked. I can't even explain it, but it just started to fall. The weight fall started falling off of me. And I think the, I didn't weigh myself for about a month after that. When I, cause that, and the reason that 480 was important, I guess, is only because like I could read it on the scale. The scale I had didn't go above 480. So I was like, Hey, I'm readable on the scale. So yeah, that's yeah. How I know that's my one measurable weight. I know I, I was at. Um, and I think within a month I lost like 30 pounds, like, at least I can't even remember what it was, you know, and my best month was almost 60 pounds. I lost. Um, and within a year and a half of starting that, I think I started in September and by April I was down to 198. That's amazing. Oh, not, that, man. Not, That's not, awesome. not that six months, but a right. year and six months. I was going to clarify if you didn't say that, I was, you know, I didn't yeah, want anyone yeah. being like six months. That's amazing. I'm going to do that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was uh, my birthday is actually coming up soon. So it's end of May. And that first birthday I came up onto, people were like, holy crap. You know, because they just, they had, you know, they hadn't seen me in a long time. They, were, they, they thought I was the same, but they had seen me in those leading up years. They were like, oh man, you look so great. You know, and then it was like, you know, I'm, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And I ended up getting down my, my, uh, my my year and a half mark was about 198 which is life changing 
Totally. What? Oh. No, go ahead. You go. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, like, what? What were the biggest challenges for you during that year and a half? Hmm. I think the. I mean, I really went hard on it. It kind of became my life in a way. Mm-hmm. I almost became obsessed with it. And maybe that's what you have to do. You have to get a little obsessed with that uh, lifestyle. You almost have to. Um, it's. I mean, I remember my my buddy Dan. Uh, we talked. We would talk about it a lot. And having a little bit of a support, I guess. Like, I didn't meet up with these guys a lot, but it was like when I did meet up with them, I wanted to be able to show them that I had success. So that might be part of what helped. Um, but one of the things that we, we talk about, he didn't like this term, but I, I use it all the time now. Is that it's, it's a lifestyle change. Like you just got to kind of change how you, and it's not like, it's not temporary. You have to realize that too. But the struggles along the way would be, uh, I mean, there's the initial struggle with anyone who does keto, which was the, they call it keto fever. And it's kind of like this withdrawal from sugar because you've been dependent on it your whole life and your blood sugar is crashing and your body doesn't know how to react to that and then there's also like you're surprised you'd be surprised how much water and salt and things you get from all the processed food you eat mm-hmm. oh it's, and so it, then you're probably dehydrated and you don't have electrolytes yeah it's completely yeah electrolytes yeah, so to help a ton yeah yeah and you feel you literally feel like you're sick and for some people they feel like they're dying you know and i think that's an overreaction but if you're not used to that feeling you might feel that way um so there's that, um, but that's such a small thing right at the beginning. I think that's, a, that's just the first hurdle most people have to get over. The The biggest challenges were, I think it's, again, people killing you with kindness along the way. Like, it's just, like, I, I've said this to people, the people who try to, who will sabotage you are your your your, your friends and your, your loved ones, your family members, you know. Um, then there's... Um, you'll have those moments where you want to break. Like you're just like, you just want to, especially if you're doing keto, like you just want a loaf of bread <laughs> or you want to, you want to just pound down a pizza or, you know, some pasta or something like that. And one of the things I did, I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and I'd come across, uh, David Gogan, Go, Goggins, the, uh, he's a former Navy, Navy SEAL who it was like, you know, he was like over 300 pounds and he decided he wanted to be a Navy SEAL and he lost all the weight and became a Navy SEAL. And his journey is an ongoing, ever-changing journey. Like he, one of the big things he learned recently is like, oh, I got to stretch because he was just taking pills for all the pain he was in from working out all the time. And he just wasn't doing stretching. And now he's learned, oh, if I stretch, then the pain's not as bad. I don't have to take as much medication. Um, so like he's just, but he's one of those guys that goes kind of whole hog on things. And he's, I think it's a, actually a Navy SEAL thing, but it's called embracing the suck. And that's what helped me a lot. I said like, well, if this guy can do that while he's like, you know, being shot at and freezing water or something, I can let my stomach rumble a little bit because I didn't eat as much as I thought I, uh, as I want, but don't necessarily need, you know? So every time your stomach kind of growls at you because they're, you know, you're, you're 12 hours into a fast, that's a victory. So it was kind of just changing my mindset on those things. But I definitely had a lot of struggles along the way. It's just, it's almost a blur now because there was so much good happening at the time as well. Like I was just, I mean, I look back at that. I'll have moments where I took a picture of myself and I was so happy. And I look back at that. I'm like, man, that guy's fat, (laughs) you know, but at the time I was a hundred pounds down. So I was loving life. So I think what some of the struggles were, I, man, I, 
it's weird it's just mostly just cravings it's so weird that when you're in the moment they feel much harder than they actually are i think so in the moment a craving it's all you're thinking about so it's like all day every every second of that of every minute every minute of every hour you're thinking about that thing but when you get past it and you look back you go oh it's just so well cravings are, sound easy no okay. well they're, they're transitory like mm -hmm. cravings are cravings are feel you know one of the biggest things i work on with with clients is understanding that our feelings are valid but our feelings aren't always accurate and so when we're craving something it's not our body saying we need candy you know it's we're craving candy so if we can redirect you know and i think it's it, and it's when you're able to redirect to something else to put your focus elsewhere and the craving goes away and you realize okay that wasn't you know for a while there i felt like if i didn't just break down and eat some eat something i was going to die but 10 minutes later i was feeling completely different because i didn't allow myself to continue down that rabbit hole like it's it's very you know it's it can be hard, especially a hard thing when it cycles through you know and i, I think also like you're talking about like when you get especially when you get started on keto and you you know you start to feel the changes and feel better you know, right. You know, in a lot of ways, even if, even if the weight isn't dropping off, you're going to feel better, you know, just because the, the change to what you're putting in your body and you're eating cleaner. Right. And so it's like, that's that wave that can carry you to the point where then that starts to become your normal again, you know, how mm -hmm. feeling good becomes the normal. And then, you know, is when sometimes those cravings and those things should start to come around because you're not having, you're not kind of riding that like, the, the wave of excitement anymore, you know, or that, that, that pulse, like, you know, and, it, and again, like you said, it is just about it in the end, all of it's about shifting mindset. You know, I, I think there's a lack of discussion in weight loss culture about hunger, you know, and hunger being something that sometimes we live with and it's an okay thing. And sometimes it's a good thing. Like, it, well, you know, it, all the, to the, um, I cut you off there, but no, go ahead. like, remember that whole, like, you gotta drink eight ounces of water eight times a day or yep. something. I can't remember what it was. And like, they've kind of said, eh, that was kind of a marketing thing. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you're thirsty, then get a drink a glass of water. If you're not thirsty, you don't have to drink a glass of water. And I think it's that same idea with hunger. It's like, it's okay if you're a little hungry. Well, you don't have to fight it off constantly. If you're if being hungry, it doesn't mean you failed on the day. You're trying to lose weight. You're going to be yeah, hungry. You're going to be like, hungry. <laughs> hungry happens. Like it, and the promises of, of you can follow, you know, that's one of the things, you know, having been in the keto space for so long, like I still bristle when I see someone say, do keto. Cause you're never hungry when you do keto. And I'm like, no, that's not true. It's it. Is it a tool that helps you manage that hunger better? 100%. You know, is it a tool that allows you to realize that that hunger might not be coming, you know, it may be a biological impulse or it may be coming from a different place and you can work on that. Yeah. Just your gut, right? The but bacteria can tell you you're hungry when you're not. Most of the people that I see that say they did keto to lose weight and they were never hungry had like 20 pounds to lose. So their real, the real lifestyle shifts they made probably had a lot more to do with ingredient quality, you know, and, and changing their carb amounts and things along those lines. And they didn't necessarily have to be in, they weren't in a caloric deficit for a year and a half they weren't in a caloric deficit for three years. Like understand that, that hunger's not it's chronic sustained maddening hunger is one thing being a little bit hungry now and then it's fine. You know, like it's, that's a part of life. We all get hungry and it doesn't, 
you know, it's working to get in that place where the hunger doesn't become the focus of your entire day. Like you said, it's not a bad day because you felt a little hungry. Yeah, yeah. I I will say that when it comes to that kind of struggle, I definitely had those like uh, moments of like downstairs, covered open, staring at like cookies or something, you know, and like, uh, and then closing the door and then coming back later and staring at those cookies again and like thinking like, I've been so good. I think that's what it is, right? I think uh, you can be a victim of success as a way is thing too. Like, like, um, also like, what's that Bane says to Batman? Like, victory is defeated you. That whole thing, you know, and it's like, because I've been good, I can have this thing. I'll just, you know, I'll just be better tomorrow and make up for it or whatever. And so I had those for real struggles. And there was a few times where I did maybe indulge a little bit, but very rarely, because I think the success I was having made the difference for me. And in that, in that run, because don't get me wrong, for for twenty years before that, I failed and I, I I broke and I had the thing, and then I. I quit or I got down on myself or I just didn't care anymore or whatever, you know, the excuse was because you're, and that's the thing I tell people all the time now too, when they ask me for advice is um, I'll tell them is like your body, you, your mindset, your body is always looking for a reason to quit or to indulge or have the thing you're not supposed to have. So if you give it the excuse, if you indulge that, if you let your, that, you know, you let the craving win, you're just going to keep doing it. You know, you have to learn to tell yourself no, you know? So um, and, and there were there were some other struggles along the way. There was uh, I lost some friends along the way. As weird as that is, I mean, I think it's probably something similar to a drug addict goes through. There's just people you can't hang around with anymore, um, and because uh, they, they just want you to to be who you used to be. Um, and there are people who get kind of strangely jealous or upset with you, and I, it, it, it's mind blowing. At the same time, I guess I understand it because I, I probably did similar things in the past and don't know it now. Um, I can't think of it, but maybe someone was doing well and I was like, they think they're better than me, but I don't know. Uh, but I did have a little bit of that there. there those are some real struggles. Um, but the, I guess the biggest struggle was, it's just a day to day struggle of not, not going off your, your, your diet, your program. And I, again, I don't like saying diet anymore because I basically live this life now. Um, but not, uh, not, not defaulting to the, like the traditional American diet or something with staying on your what works best for you? Well, well, let's get into how your lifestyle has progressed. What happened for you after you, you got down to 198? So 198, I mean, it started before that. I think what I, one of the things, um, I was always pretty, like, just naturally able to do physical things as, like, a kid, I say. Like, like I was the biggest kid, but sometimes I could, like, outrun people or something. I could just power through it. Um, there's a point where that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> and so I had reached that point in my life and all of a sudden I was able to do things again. So that was the biggest one. So one of the things that became big for me was just walking and hiking. I love to hike. I hike all the time. Um, that's my go-to exercise. Um, and I, I tell people this now when they ask me again about like weight loss and stuff, it's like you can't outwork your diet. So if you're good, if you're going to, if you need to lose weight, especially if it's a serious amount of weight, uh, exercise is like the last part of it. <laughs> the first part is is, is is diet is diet and the biggest part of diet is your mentality so if you get your mentality right start dieting do that for a while and then your body will kind of let you know it's time to start exercising now because we can you just want to do it and i found myself wanting to go for walks or and then while i'm walking i kind of got springy feeling in my feet i almost want to jump around and run but that's something i hadn't felt since i was a little kid so that was huge because you know and then i just found myself going on these, I live on the edge of town in Vegas in the Northwest. And so I've got Red Rock, which is kind of a, 
popular hiking area near me. And I would just walk into the park from my backyard, just leave my house and go. And I could be gone for hours at a time, you know, in the late afternoon or something. And that helps too, you're not in the house thinking about food. <laughs> so, you know, that's probably, probably also kind of a coping thing. It helped with that. It's like, yeah, I could be sitting here thinking about food or I can go for a walk and it's a double, you know, it's a double victory because I'm getting exercise and I can't eat because I'm out walking. Just take a bottle of water with me or whatever. And so I just started going for hikes. Those hikes got deeper and further and further. And then I started to explore and I joined a hiking group. And so that alone was a huge difference. And then on top of that, you're like, there's the confidence you get, right? Because you look good. At least you feel like you look, you look better. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. This is one, this is something that's going to sound very vain. Um, but if I'm, if I'm at a group thing with people and there's a mirror on the wall, I stare at myself constantly now. And I never did that before. And it's not because I'm like, oh, look how good that, it's more like, who is that guy? Oh, that's me. But I'm doing it constantly. Because I still, in my mind, when I think of what I look like, I always see myself 100 pounds or more heavier than I am. Just in like that, uh, that image of myself in my head. Um, and, and it's not necessarily like a, like a negative thing. It's more just like I was that guy for 30 years, 30 plus years. So it's hard to get it to change. Like I'll, if, I, if I ever get to the point where I see myself, I actually look in my mind's eye, that would be amazing. Um, but in my mind's eye, I just see myself as you know, 100 or more pounds heavier than I am. So that when I'm out and about and I can see a reflection of myself, I just don't recognize myself. So I constantly catch myself just staring over at, at whatever that mirror is. Like if there's like a large mirror like in a meeting room or something, I'm constantly looking over at it to see this guy who keeps looking back at me. Who is that guy? Oh, it's me. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's just, yeah, that's, I guess, yeah, yeah. No, so like you get a little more self-confident, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, I'll, and I'll say this right now, like I, I'm 37 and single and uh, like I said, like I, I, I said earlier, like I, I feel like I didn't have a 20s. And the culture I grew up in was very, uh, like, everybody gets married at 20, you know, or 21. And it's like family, 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 get big family now. Um, but I didn't, uh, the, just the way I was and the size I was and things, I just didn't feel, like, worthy of a wife. Like, I used to think, like, I didn't want to marry a girl who was big. But why, would, why would I expect a girl who's not to marry me or even want to be with me? So I just didn't date um, at all. And like very rarely, like I had just a handful before in my late teens and early twenties and just kind of just didn't date for it all to like, you know, and then you're, and then you're trying to do like online dating or something like that. And you're not getting swiped. Right. <laughs> you know, and I don't blame them because I wasn't going to, if they were a similar situation, I probably wasn't swiping. Right. Um, uh, that's just me, you know, different strokes for different folks. But um, so you know, and all of a sudden, like that, that world opened up. Like, I could feel confident enough to like put my picture, multiple pictures up, and and have a very honest profile of what I, who I am, and what I look like, and all that stuff now. And there's some confidence boosting with that. The downside is, is I lost right all that weight right before the pandemic, and so then the world shut down. But now it's opening up again and everything. So you know, I can put myself out there, and um, that has its own struggles and stuff. You know, in itself, because online dating is horrible, but um, you know, but there's all, you know, but also like you can join groups, like say like hiking groups and, and like just meetups and stuff like that. Things I just say like before I wouldn't have done, I wish wouldn't put myself out there. And even if I wanted to, I couldn't physically do it. 
you know, I couldn't go hiking. I couldn't go whatever the thing is, kayaking, whatever, you know. So those are the. I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, but I. Talk. Well, no, I think you do. I think you do. Yeah, I think you do with just some good stuff. You know, kind of getting a picture of where things are at for you now. Like, what? You know, to circle back onto the the food side of things, what is your relationship with food like now? I. I, well, here's okay. So I've I was always kind of like into cooking, to a degree, mostly because like you can cook, you can have what you want. So like, <laughs> you know, if I really want this thing and uh, I don't want to spend either a lot more money for it, or it's just not you know no one else is going to make it, I have to make it. And so because of that, it also made the weight loss when I changed my mentality and stuff, it made it easier because I wasn't dependent on somebody else or I wasn't, you know, for providing, for, for making it. I knew it was in my food because I'm making it. And so that's still a huge part of it. So like, it's not like I hate food or anything like that. I love food. I mean, I don't think any fat guy ever stops loving food, um, but you have to change your relationship with it. So now it's more like the meals are much more planned, but then they're also more enjoyable because of that. Um, I mean, not always, like sometimes it's just like, I really grab like a keto protein bar or something like that, which isn't the best thing in the world. And I, I also tell people to avoid keto products, but anything that says keto on it, you buy at the store. I mean, they can be good and they can help with like cravings or something like that, but they're not, they're so expensive and they're not well, and there's always no, keto. There's no regulation of the label. <laughs> yeah. It's know? not, they're not always the, actually the keto. The word keto, yeah. you know, you go to, you know, I, all the time I'll talk about, you know, you walk through somewhere like Costco. And you'll see six different things in the snack section labeled keto. And the first three ingredients are different sugars and grains and wheats. And like, and it's like, okay, but it says keto in six inches on the front. So people are scooping it up, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It care. says it's only this many net carbs. And you're like, yeah, but the serving size is like a quarter cup. You're not going to eat only a quarter cup of this. Nobody does. <laughs> no, it's, you're going to eat three or four cups. It's the usual kind of, it's, it's the marketing of the word keto that ends up, yeah, exactly. day, you know, being the biggest, you know, just in the, in the same way there's things, you know, what is the, you know, there, you'll, you'll walk into a, a drugstore and see like keto, keto, keto labeled pills and it's like, okay, great. You know, and some, some of them are, you know, some of them are exogenous ketones that people can get some benefits from that have zero to do with weight loss you know, and have to do with energy and mental focus and those things, but that's not what they're marketing them as. Like, that's not what, the, what why people are grabbing them. And you just end up jumping hundreds of dollars into things that just yeah, it's really a buzzword. worth your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I say like, yeah, like you'll see like the butter section, everything's labeled keto. It's like, well, yeah, it's butter. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I would love that at supermarkets now. Like when there's those little, like little labels that say keto friendly and they're putting it like it's on eggs and, but Okay. Like you're just trying to get people to pay attention to you. I mean, I'd rather people buy butter and eggs than, you know, buy a keto candy bar. But at the end, at the end, it's just, it's funny to look back at, look at it and chuckle, you know, especially, you know, even when you started doing it, you know, a few years before the pandemic, like there just weren't, those things weren't out there. They didn't exist in regular markets and things along those lines. It was all niche products online and, you had to really work hard to find things. And I remember having to drive an hour to find coconut oil years ago. Like it, you know, it's, it's amazing. The proliferation. of Yeah. The only coconut oil I can find is in like the, uh, the, the body lotions. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And is this food grade? Like, what am I dealing with here? Like (laughs) wild, like why, you know, even just now I mix, I, I get excited when I see a store has avocado oil. Like, Oh yeah. Cause it's like, I find it, you know, I have places I get it from and everything along those lines, but 
to see it popping like a store brand of something like that showing up it's like wow yeah, like kroger has yeah. avocado oil now <laughs> store brand it's yeah. wild it's wild stuff the uh i'll say that uh back to like like the relationship with food like one of the things that i i, I used to joke with people was i was a steak hunter and um, I guess when it comes like if I think you think environmentally, this isn't the best thing in the world. But hey, you know, I had to, I got to survive here. I got to live, and I to live, I need to change my my diet. And so, I can just eat steak. And so I joke with people saying that I I lost weight eating steak, you know, and I would just pop out all the different coupon, you know, paper the little, little uh, the ads you get in the mail and stuff. I would just pull them all out. And who's got the best deal on steak this week? And I would go there and I basically buy it in bulk. And then I would just, you know, I'm having steak for dinner. I mean, it's not always steak. Something it was, you know, some kind of pork or chicken or whatever. Whatever was the best deal. But if I could get steak, it was steak. And that's what I would do. I would just eat that. And then it was like, I got really, I used to think I could cook a good steak. No, I didn't know what I was doing back then. Now I know how to cook a good steak, you know. <laughs> and and so you just kind of learn that kind of, that kind of thing. So my relationship with food now is like, I, I love it. And I really, I like to plan things out. Like I've, I'm, I'm actually doing a fast right now. Um, I like to, uh, once a month or something, doing like a little extended fast. So like do like a 48 or 30, uh, 72 hour fast or something like that. And that's just more for like, if, if one, if you find yourself in a rut, it kind of gets you nice and reset. If, but two is mostly just a mentality thing. It's kind of like a strength of will thing. Um, and there could be like other reasons like clarity focus. Uh, uh, not everybody's into fasting, but I've just kind of gotten into it. Um, and the next thing is my buddy's trying to get me into cold plunges. So, <laughs> you know, going down the bro sphere of, uh, the weight loss stuff, but, uh, the, uh, you know, so I've got, uh, some ribs that I'm, that I've got a dry rub on, you know, and, you know, I can, I get to think about that all day. So I know when I do break my fast, you know, I've got this delicious, great, just hearty, meaty meal to eat. Um, that's, you know, again, it's in my diet. It's in my, it's in my, uh, what I've chosen to eat. Um, so the relationship with food is, it's just different. It's just, it's not caving to the whims of what you want. And I will occasionally, you know, do non-keto things like I, but I plan them out. I don't want them to be spur of the moment. I don't want them to be cheap. I don't want them to be, uh, like a lazy thing. So it's like, I look at my calendar and I go, okay, in three months, there's this thing happening. I'm going to be extra good <laughs> that month so that when that day comes, I can just kind of do the thing I want to do. I can kind of revert to fat guy Larry for a day, but then immediately we're going back to what we, we're going to act like that day didn't happen and go back to where we were before and just, you know, so it doesn't take over my life again. So like, you know, I've, my birthday is coming up, so I've already planned the, what the meal is going to be, and I've already planned the, the the special dessert. And I don't always do that, but it's like, um, you know, I usually try to do it maybe once every three months, and or you know, to have that kind of special day. And you learn quickly, also when you do that, what's worth it, what's not. You know, like I used to scoff at people who didn't who who were too good to eat McDonald's or something like that. Now I'm like, it's not worth it. Don't even walk into the place. I mean, if you if you just need beef patties, go to a better place and get some beef patties. It's just there's places you and things you learn that are just not worth it. The the uh, whatever you get out of it, it's it's so middling at best. Um, so I guess I mean, that's kind of where yeah. my relationship with food is. It's and I, still I, a struggle though. 
And I and I think part of what it all speaks to is that whole idea of what what was sustainable for you. You know, what was the lifestyle that is sustainable for you? You know, and being able to navigate and move through it and make those choices when you need to make those choices. Like it's there. I just, you know, even with anyone, whether it's someone I'm talking to on Instagram or, you know, a client I'm working with, like when we have that discussion about whether a food experience is worth it, you know, it, it goes down to like, okay, it's, it's about so much more than just what you're going to do in that 10 minutes you're eating that food. Like, how is it, you know, where are you at right now with your goals? How are you going to feel, you know, especially if you're someone who's keto and you decide to have a day that's off keto and you're going to go carb heavy. The next couple days, you're going to see that on the scale. Just water bloat, you're going to see on the yeah, scale. Yeah, water bloat alone, you're going to see. And if that makes you then sink into a deep depression, you're not ready to handle that decision. You know, you're not, you know, it's like, but I also like that you talked about that whole idea of planning it. Like I, one of my friends, she coined the phrase, you know, in our, in our, the, the circles we travel in of, instead of saying cheat meal, talking about planned deviations and the key mm. word being planned. Planned, it, yeah. It's like not. That. It's and and there can even be, you know, I honestly even believe like a planned deviation can be something that you didn't know you were gonna do that day, but you still plan for it. You still you're think prepped about, for you're, it. You're making an intentional choice. It's when we take that intention out of our choices that you start to fall down that rabbit hole of I shouldn't have done that. Oh well if I didn't do that, you know, and you you talked about this earlier, you know, I'm gonna start on Monday. Well, I made that I screwed up on Friday night, you know. If I open that door, you know, it's not going to get worse. I might as well keep that door open for another day. And the next thing you know, it's like two weeks later. And yeah, you've packed down 20 pounds. Right. And it's like allowing yourself instead to say, I'm making a plan to have this, you know, I'm going to do this intentionally. I know there might be some consequences. I might feel like garbage in the bathroom the next day or something along, you know, I might have some intestinal issues or just not feel great with the scale for a couple of days. But I know that that's going to happen. Yeah. And I can I handle that. I've even had opposite experiences mm-hmm. I've had where oh, I was yeah. like doing like super, super clean. And I said, okay, I've been super, super clean. I had this day planned. I, I, I took that day and deviated. So I'll say that instead mm-hmm. of cheated. And then I ended up losing more weight the following week. Like maybe it was just like your body just needed, maybe my body actually needed something. I don't know. Gave yourself a little break from cortisol and like saw some, saw some results. It's a good thing. Yeah. saw some, yeah, I saw some benefit from it. And so, but I think, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, the plan deviation, I like that. I'm going to start using that. Um, I think it, what it does, it kind of takes the deviance away from it as well. Right. This idea when, if you just call it a cheat day, it's like I did something wrong versus I took a day off and yeah. I planned for it and I was ready for it and I was prepared and I knew what to do to get back to where I needed to be. Well, it takes um, so, yeah. it takes some of the pomp and circumstance away from it that comes with that whole idea of a cheat, you know, because it, there's that part of us that likes to be naughty, like as human beings, and it's almost like, well, I'm going to cheat, I'm going to cheat bad, and you know, I remember I'm gonna go all the way, and I remember like when I would, you know, when I would have cheat date, like I would plan my cheat days, but I would plan them to the extent of if something didn't go perfect that cheat day wasn't over because, you know, the flavor of ice cream I wanted wasn't over or or the bakery didn't have the pastry I wanted. So they're going to have it tomorrow. So I'm still going to eat this garbage I bought tonight. And tomorrow I'm going to go get that because I decided I deserved it. Like it's amazing the things you can talk yourself into, but when you plan it in the context of, I know the next day, I'm not going to punish myself. It's not about beating myself up. It's about just being back on the plan that I'm following, you know, getting, or like you're saying, getting back to life, you know, life, usual life, normal life, it's a completely different, it takes so much of the pressure off yourself. And I think the the most powerful thing 
two in it is realizing you can do it again. Yeah. You don't have to do it again. But I think often sometimes when people fall into that place of the cheat meal mentality, it's I'm going to do this and then I'm not going to do it again for a year. So it has to be over the top and insane. And I have to try to eat as much as I can in 24 hours because I'm not going to let myself ever do this again. And when you tell yourself, I could make that decision to have that planned deviation in six months if it comes up that I really want to do it, then it's not, today's isn't my last, you know, it's not your death row meal. It's not your last meal, yeah. Right, it's not a death row meal. It's a, I'm doing this right now, but my goals are important, so I'm going to be back on my main plan the next day. Like, Yeah. You know, it's I'm, I'm getting into to weight loss coaching or mentoring at the moment. Um, and uh, I've got a, hand, I got a handful of clients that I'm working with. And, and I'll cu- uh, one of them, he's working with them for free. Um, and of course, that's always one that is the one you sometimes struggle with the most. But um, And that's one of the things I've had to explain to all of them is like, if you do fail, don't beat yourself up. If you have, I want to say, well, it fails on the right word. If you do have a, a step, don't beat yourself up because that's what leads to that spiral that leads to you eventually quitting, you know? Well, yeah. Well, and I, I also think like, you know, I work with a lot of people that struggle with, with disordered relationships with food or food addiction. And I honestly feel like it's that part of us that wants us to beat ourselves up after we make those missteps. Because if you convince yourself you're not worth the work to get back on track, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. You know, you're going to stay in that place and you're just going to keep feeding that, you know, feeding those issues. Like feed that demon. If you care about yourself and you, you, you know, even if you make a choice that you weren't planning to make, you made that choice for whatever reason, you know, that we could sit and list for hours, the reasons. Reminding yourself that you're worth, you're worth, you're worth the care the next day to be on, you know, the the next choice. Like I always say to people, you know, the choices you made before have consequences, but they don't matter. You can't change them. Like the the most important choice you're ever going to make in your life is the next one. What is that next choice going to be? You know, what is that next step you're going to take that defines you? Not all the steps you've taken already. Like let go of, of some of those things that you, you know, let go, letting go of regret is I think one of the hardest thing for people that have struggled with weight issues, but letting go of regret and understanding that you have the power to shape what's in front of you and t- don't waste that energy on worrying about the past. Focus that energy on what am I doing now though? You know, yes, I shouldn't have done that. Yes. I regret those choices. Yes. I regret missed opportunities and all of those things. But if I stay stuck in that place, you never move forward. Yeah, I I tell people too sometimes, like the best time to start making the good decisions was yesterday, but you can't do that. So the next best time is right now. So just start making the good decision right now. Um, Yeah, one of the, yeah, one of those things that I've found is uh, an interesting struggle with, with working with other people is seeing seeing the traps that they don't see yet and trying to warn them about them and not but not scare them at the same time you know like try to prepare them have they have those tools they need for when those moments come up they can they can push past it one of the things i have to tell them sometimes is like when you have that misstep is uh you had one bad day out of seven you know so six good days is better than none you know but it's hard. It's so hard, and I had this. This is what I struggled with for years. It's like when that one bad day comes, it comes day, it comes day three. It was my mentality was just to quit for the rest of the week, so I ended up with four bad days, you know, out of seven instead of one. So just kind of like learning to again, like not fail fast is I guess the way that's how I have to say it, you know. 
don't just quit because you had this one setback. And it's so easy to get caught in that spiral. Um, well, you know, when you run the percentages, you know, you have, a, you have 30 days in a month. If you have two bad days, you still have an A average in that class. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still, you're still ahead of the game. Like if you, you're still ahead of the curve, <laughs> right? Like you're still, you're still in a place where if it was 30 bad days, things would be a lot oh, worse. A lot worse. Yeah. So I completely understand that. Well, man, I, I've really enjoyed our, our time talking. I don't want to hold you up for the whole day. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. What are, you know, before we move into the wrap up questions, like one of the questions I do like to ask is like now in this like new lifestyle that you've built, like what are the things that, you know, bring you joy and, and really drive you to keep moving forward? Oh yeah. Um, one of them is just being able to go and do a thing. Like, I know it's weird. It's maybe it's hard for people to understand that, but if I decide I want to go do this physical activity or maybe something that would require like standing on a scale, like if you want to go do a zip line or something like that, you know, I'm not saying everyone wants to do that, but if it's just something like that, or like I've got a friend that does promo videos, and sometimes that means like going in a helicopter. That means we all have to weigh before we get on the helicopter because they can only take so much weight between us and all the equipment or something like that. And just not worrying, not feeling like I'm going to sink the ship or I'm not going to be able to do the thing. I know I can just, I mean, go wrong, I might feel like some soreness the next day if I just go for a hike and I haven't hiked for a while, but it's not going to be debilitating. I'm not going to be afraid of walking down the stairs and then I'm going to roll my ankle and fall down the stairs. Like, you know, like when you're, when you're a big guy, it's just like, for me, that was always a constant fear. I used to roll my ankles constantly because, you know, you tip off a little bit, you're going. And now it's just not as much of a problem. So it's just, I just feel so much more uh, physically confident, I guess, as a physically confident. Um, and learning who I really am, I've become much more of an empathetic person. Um, I, I think when you're in that bad place and you're, you're depressed, but you're pretending like you're not, it's hard to have empathy for other people. Um, I mean, <laughs> maybe not for everybody, but I struggled with it and I've become so much more. I completely changed my worldview in the last, you know, three plus years. Um, because of this change and realizing that everybody, no matter what, where they are in life is going through struggles that are, can be debilitating for you, even if it seems small, minute to everybody else, or if any of it seems, but even if it seems insurmountable, it's possible to get through it. And so I just kind of got to this point. So that's why I want to do, I want to be able to help people. I want people to live their best life there. They, you want, you want to you want to do as much good for people as you can and you want to experience as much of the good as you can while mitigating as much harm as possible and doing as little as possible. And that's kind of where I've gotten to. It's just, I want people to, to be happy and to, and I want to be able to uh, empathize with them more than I ever have in my life. And I think that's the biggest change for me. I love that. That's awesome, man. Well, Larry, if anyone listening does want to try to connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, you could find me. <laughs> I got to fix that. Um, 
there, I had a podcast for a hot minute. You could always just watch that if you were want to see a little maybe in-depth versions of my story and my friend Dan, who did the, a very similar thing. And that was the, uh, the No Breakfast Club. It's on YouTube. There's like only a handful of episodes, but they're a good watch. Um, uh, find me uh, Instagram at Nightly Nerds with a K, as in like a, a night. Um, or you could probably just find me on Facebook somewhere. But I gotta, I gotta start actually pushing the marketing if, if someone actually wants to find me. <laughs> understood, understood, man. Well, when you get that, if you get that in a place where you feel it, you got more information to put out there. You know, one, I, I feel like there's so much more we could keep talking about. So we can always have you back on the show for a part two, uh, but also um, give that to me and I can let people know for sure. For mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. So Larry, I end every episode with five questions I call the fat guy five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Uh, go for it. Okay. So question number one, man, tell us living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Oh, John Candy. Love it. Love John Candy. I, 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 I wish I could go through time and help him uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> get his way under control in a better way. Understood. Just understood. Keep me around still. He's, he's one of my tops when I, make, when I answer that question for myself, so I love it. Question number two, Larry. What is something about yourself that you love? Oh, gosh. About myself that I love? Mm-hmm. Oh, the fact that uh, I have a lot of useless facts. There we go. I like it. Question number three, thinking about this journey you've been on building in your lifestyle, Larry, what has been the most important new habit that you've built? Reading, (laughs) reading the nutritional facts on the back of anything you buy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like actually reading it and understanding it. Oh, that's 100% important. (laughs) Like, and most people don't know how to do it. So yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah. No, I, what are those chemicals on the back and what do they mean? And just because you don't know what a word is doesn't mean you can't look at We all carry powerful computers in our pockets every day. You know, we have more Looks, information in our pocket than all the NASA computers that got a man on the moon. So. Look something up. You might find out yeah. that it's just salt or something along those lines, but you got to do a little work to get yourself It might back. be harmless or it might be the one thing you need to be avoiding. Exactly. Exactly. Larry, question number four. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Oh gosh. <laughs> it's like all my goals right now. Um mm, mm, mm. so not health, weight loss, or fitness related. Is that what you said, Dan? Yep. Um doesn't have to be huge. Oh, you know what? I want to do one of those VR experiences, like where you have the full on thing and you're in a building and like other people and you're like in a war or whatever together. Nice. I haven't done that yet and the the world shut down. And they well, have over here in Vegas. I was going to say, you're near Vegas. I know there's a ton of stuff like that there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're in the right spot for it. You're not, it's not like you're in Montana and you're like, I would love to do a virtual reality experience. I'm not trying to get berated for not eating biscuits and gravy. Right. You're, <laughs> you'd run it. There'd be more reality experiences you could run through in Manta- Montana, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Question number five. No, go ahead. Yeah, but I didn't. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> question number five. Last official question of the day, man. Tell us. If you could go back in time and talk to yourself on that first day that you that you started your, your new journey, you know, when you decided that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to show them and I'm going to dive into to keto and intermittent fasting. What is something you would tell yourself on that day? Electrolytes. Um, <laughs> no, for real. I, I, when you started I, I, talking about keto fever, I was like, 
I hope he says electrolytes because if not, I'm going to yeah. buy it. Like I'm going to bring it. I up. think that's all I would say, and I would mm-hmm. try to hope I didn't recognize myself eh. because so, I didn't want to change it. I don't want him. I don't want him to mm-hmm. to go. Oh, look, I can do it, and then get lax. So then, just think about it now. You change the timeline. You'd be on the podcast, and you'd say there. It was funny because the first day I started, a mysterious hooded stranger came up to me <laughs> and said the word electrolytes. I didn't have any idea what that meant. But look at where we are now. Look at so, where we are now. Like It'll it. be right in the eye. Right. Like, it was... Eye level perfectly with me. <laughs> <laughs> How many hooded six foot five strangers are there out there? Apparently not a enough. lot. Not a lot. I think like, I think I'm in the ninety something percentile. Like uh, like out of a hundred people, I'm almost always the tallest person in the room. So nice. Well, anyway. Larry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation and appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is fun. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, I hope I was a decent guest. Of course. I'll berate you in a minute. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, but my conversation with Larry is not ending. He's going to jump over with me onto the, the after pod on Patreon just to say a quick hello there and let him get on his way. But thank you all so much for being a part of this episode today. As always, like you know how you can connect with Larry now. You can always find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. Then, my friends, remember, go out there, do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people that I know. Then catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.